This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Is It Philosophy? Here we are the seekers of truth. We are the askers of the questions. We are the answerers of those questions? Maybe, I don't know. Each episode, myself and a guest or two will start with a question. Then we will set out on a journey to find an answer. In the end, it's up to you to determine, is it philosophy? All right, everybody, we are back for another episode. I'm here with Mark Phillips from Massive Late Fees. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Massive Late Fee and Retro Late Fee. Ah, okay. So the topic today is, if I load my mind to the internet, can I live forever? This one actually comes from an episode of the, what is it? Black Mirror. Oh, I was going to reference that. Yeah. That's actually the episode that brought this whole thing to my head. We talked about it last week in another episode on what is reality, but this episode, I think we're going to dive a little bit deeper into just the whole mind aspect of it and what happens with our mind and what is the mind and what is consciousness. So let's start with what, what are your thoughts on the subject? Well, the episode that you're talking about San Junipero is interesting. And I, after the episode aired, I, I, I had my, my wife, my mother-in-law, a bunch of people watch it because I thought it was very interesting and it, it raised a lot of these philosophical questions. Uh, just for everybody out there that hasn't seen it, the basic plot is that they've created a simulated world where people can decide to kill themselves, load their minds into this world, and then live ostensibly forever as a digital copy of their consciousness while their body dies. And is that actual, like, in the guise of the episode, are those really them? Or is it a digital clone, like a, a digital copy? And the episode doesn't really answer that. And I think that's kind of at the heart of what you're talking about here. Yep, exactly. That, so, that episode actually pissed my wife off because the whole concept, and I don't give away too much of the ending, but what the, the one woman does at the end instead of going with her family, it my wife is thoroughly pissed off about that end. Yeah, and I, I imagine, because there's a lot of religious connotations to it as well. I mean, yeah. I, I remember asking, uh, well, if, if your consciousness is actually in the computer, are, is your consciousness and your soul different things, or are they the same thing? So could your soul actually be in heaven while your consciousness is in the, in the computer, or are you prevented from going to heaven if, a, if such a place exists because you have decided to put yourself into this computer world? It's, there, there are a lot of incredibly interesting questions uh, that go into that episode, but... I guess, like you said, we have to kind of start with what is the definition of a consciousness. And that's a tough one because, you know, in philosophy, there's always the, the mind-body problem. Uh, you know, how can our mind, which is composed of things that are not physical, cause physical changes in our brain that then cause physical changes in our body? So uh, defining consciousness is something that's vexed people a lot smarter than me for quite a long time. And I suppose that I would define, it's hard because I, I guess you would have to define consciousness as your, your self, the, the, the accumulation of all your experiences, all your thoughts, uh, that kind of thing. It's very vague, though. I, do you have a, a more definitive definition? I, I don't. That's actually an argument my wife and I had about right after watching this episode. Is I asked her the question I asked her was, "What is you? What what thing can you point to that you can hold up and go, this is me?'" And, and her answer answer was consciousness. And I'm like, okay, that I can see that. But now let me ask you this. If you are your consciousness, if for whatever reason, surgery, 
accident, whatever, you become unconscious, are you no longer you? Because your consciousness is gone. So therefore, if that is you, once that is taken away, you cease to be you. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a big one. (laughs) Right? And that's why we won't, that's why we don't talk anymore about things like that. (laughs) And that's why we're talking now. Exactly. But Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's tough. So to me, and this kind of harkens back to to last week's episode, is it, are you your thought or are you the thinker of the thought? And, And my answer to that has always been, you have to be the thinker. But if you're the thinker, then that sort of question of consciousness comes into play because you can't be the thinker if there is no consciousness. And if there is no consciousness, then there is no thinker. And it's this whole spiral down of craziness that just turns into mush at midnight. All right. Let's see if we can let's see if we can do what Descartes couldn't and figure this out real quick on this podcast. Um so what is it in our body that generates the thoughts? So obviously we have a brain and I think most biologists would say that the brain is the generator of the thoughts. If there was in biological terms, I guess it's easy, a lot easier than philosophical terms. If there was one body part that you could point to that this is me, it would be your brain Uh Uh, because that's, you know, the computer of, the the body but what is it it what is it inside the function of the brain that causes the thought to happen where where does it come from conceptualization to action and what exactly is that mechanism and how how does it begin and that's that detail is where the heart of the problem really lies because sure. you, can, you know they can see on MRI and uh, different uh, different scanning equipment uh, when uh, synapses fire and neurons light up, things like that. But I think I was reading a study, and I apologize to anyone out there if this is a an older s- study, but I remember reading a study maybe a couple years ago where they were doing experiments with MRI, and they were asking patients to think of something, simple things like lifting your arm or just think of swallowing or something like that. And they, from there, there was a gap from the inception of basically when they said they were doing it, they were thinking that thought to when the the neurons started firing and the synapses started going off. And that gap is what they can't explain biologically. Basically, what's happening in that gap and where is it coming from the the thought? And I, I guess that would be the the consciousness, whatever it is about human beings that make us unique in a way from other animals to where we can have conscious thought and and have an awareness of the self. So that's, and that's the problem. And can that then to, to, you know, if, if we load ourselves onto the internet, can that, can that be duplicated in, in electronic terms? So I guess the, the answer would be, I would think would be no. Because if there, well, it would be no in this instance, if there is something beyond biological that happens from from thought to action, then that can't be replicated mechanically. Then all then all you're dealing with is lines of code or or whatever it is that makes up things on the Internet or artificial intelligence that has all your thoughts and has all your experiences and is basically a digital copy of yourself so that to it, it feels like it's you, but it's not really you. That would be my answer in that case. If if it is purely just biological, then I think, actually, I think in both cases, it probably is just a copy, but at least Mm -hmm. that copy would be pretty much an exact copy of what you are. 
So it becomes sort of a self-aware AI to, to go back to episode number one, which then can't be you because you're not digital, right? So you can't load a digital. It's like music. You can't take analog and make it digital. I, people being the analog, you can't take a, an analog person and make it digital and have it be the same. You're going to lose something. You're going to lose whatever it is that, that spark of, of humanity. So that leads to the, the question of where do you go then if you are loaded to the internet? Do you go into the cloud? Do you become this floating being out in, in nothingness? What is it that, that actually gets loaded up there? Or is it just like you said, ones and zeros and, and code? That's Yeah, and it's you know, going back to the San Junipero episode, it's you, they don't they don't fully explain, obviously, because it's almost impossible to fully explain what the how the mechanism works of what they're doing. Because basically they can go there and visit or whatever, be tourists while they're still alive. And that involves using some device that, that's say a device in the show where their consciousness is zapped into this place and their unconscious, basically their body is uh, in the real world while this is all going on. So, and they go from, they, there's no gap in knowledge or, or anything like that. Once they go in, they know everything that they've done in the real world up to that point. So it would appear as if it is actually them. But if the if consciousness is not physical, how do you take something that's not physical and put it into a computer or the internet, into the cloud, in a something that, that is physical? I, you know, the obviously the internet runs on on what I'm, what's the word I'm looking for? Not waves, but the way that computer signals are sent out, I guess it is kind of the Wi-Fi and, and things like that. It's computer signals and code, electronic signals going out through the air and everything. Even though we can't really see it and everything, it still is physical. It's made up of atoms. And uh-huh. the, the, the consciousness doesn't appear to be something that is physical, made up of, of atoms. So how could you take, how can they in the show take something like that that's not of the material world and make it of the material world? That's why I think in, in the show and in real life that it can't really be you. So if you did, if you, if you were one of the people that decided to do this, I think that you would just die. And then if there is a heaven or a hell, that you would go there. And whoever this entity is, this this self-aware AI that's living beyond you is a separate being. That's my that's kind of my interpretation on it. If uh, if we if we stipulate that the consciousness is something not of the material world. Obviously that's a difficult proposition to prove. Sure. So I don't disagree with that. I think you're probably right. But let me ask you this. I think most people are aware that it takes electrical impulses of some kind to create thought. It's neurons firing, and it's basically this electrical impulse that gets sent throughout the brain and the nervous system and all that. Why can't we take that electrical impulse? Not now, obviously, they don't have the technology, but why couldn't we in the future take that electrical impulse, which for all intents and purposes is probably you and load that onto a server somewhere. And then that becomes your consciousness. It's still electrical impulses. It's still in this mechanical type brain, but it's now, instead of being flesh and bone, it's, it's steel and, and the air, the, the internet. So would it create a new consciousness? What would, yeah. Yeah, that that's the that's another interesting aspect to it is is would and I guess if you if you look at AI, so I would assume most people would think 
that AI doesn't have a consciousness at this point, although it could eventually get to, you know, the singularity, the point where, where it does achieve consciousness. And if it did, where does that, where does anyone's consciousness come from? (laughs) That's another interesting question. Yeah, that definitely. So if you, if you look at it from a religious point of view, a lot of people would say that the consciousness comes from God. It's something that everyone is imbued with from birth. But if AI reaches consciousness, is that God bestowing consciousness on mechanical things? All right, so are they then God's creatures? Or or can consciousness be manufactured? Could you create any kind of being, a, a flesh and blood being, and at some point in the future, just infuse it with consciousness somehow? and get it to be a fully formed person, not a clone, but an actual new life, a new being. Would it be possible to make a new life from scratch, Frankenstein style, basically? The, what is the, there's a show on, I think it's HBO called Westworld, that mm-hmm. it, it takes that very concept of they, they take these robots and over the course of, However long the place was opened, they figured out how to make these things almost self-aware. They did it through programming and code. I think it would be sort of the same thing because, I mean, in all fairness, all you are is programming and code, right? We call it DNA in the Mm -hmm. human form, but it's just programming and codes. Could you not do the same thing in, in the robotic world? And then not to be sacrilegious to anybody I'm religious myself but then that does that not make human beings the god yeah that's and that's that's the big question and that's it all we're all kind of like for all these questions we're sort of circling around the the gap between the metaphysical whether you want to call it religious or whether you just want to call it philosophical but the the metaphysical and the physical uh, aspect of things. And there's, there's definitely a, a gap there. And so if, if we created something, whether it was robotic or organic in nature, and gave it a brain that could think, that could generate its own thoughts and learn on its own, everything like that, and was self-aware, was aware that it was a thing that was alive, then every I think it would pass the consciousness test for sure. But is that something that's equal to human life? Is it something that's not even on a, a value scale, but just on a one-to-one scale? Is that something that we could say was the exact same as human life? And that's a hard that's a very hard question to answer, which obviously is what the podcast is all about. But yeah. that's a difficult question to answer because we have to figure out what is us. Like you said, human beings are made up of, of DNA and, and things like that, which is all basically just genetic code for for everything, for every every function, every organ, every part of our body, including our brain. But is our brain the thing that creates consciousness. I guess that's, yeah, that's, we have to figure out what, where consciousness is created from. Is Uh our, is consciousness created from our brain? Is it a product of our brains working or does consciousness allow our brains to work? (laughs) We have to kind of figure out which one of those things it is. So not to throw another monkey wrench in the, the argument or the conversation, but I was watching not too long ago. I don't know if anybody ever heard heard of this thing it's called Gaia TV. It's it's great if you haven't mm-hmm. checked it out. But there was a a show on there, and they were talking about how you're you actually have two brains, so to speak. You've got your the one in your head, but then they've actually discovered that you there is reactions that create. I'm trying to think of the right word for it. Basically, it's another brain in your gut. So everybody's, you know, that gut instinct, you get that gut feeling you get. They've actually found that that actually connects to the brain and is almost just as powerful, if not more powerful than our brain. So then that leads the question of where is the brain and what does the brain do? And is the brain literally the control center or is the body the control center? And then that body then is the one that affects 
And throwing one more thing at you, you said that AI, if it gains consciousness and, and is able to, to think and reason, is that equal to humans? Let's throw that the other way. Are those people that get loaded to the internet, if we are able to do that, are they still people and deserve the same rights and respect and and vote, whatever it is, right? Whatever those things that people get when they're alive and in a body, do they still get those same rights? If, well, if we're calling consciousness loaded up to the internet a person, that person still deserves those same rights and re- respect, right? You would think so for sure. And it's funny because going back to the San Junipero episode, I, I don't think any of those people were voting. I don't think any of those people cared about yeah, what was going not. on in the politics around them. And I wonder if I wonder if they didn't have the right to vote or how even that would work in the, the episode of the show, or if they're just considered not Americans anymore because they're not living tech. I mean, they technically they are in America though. So if they're people in yep. America, they're still citizens, meaning they should still have a vote that you could go a lot of places with this and in writing another black mirror episode based on this, where uh political factions form and, and uh, yeah. people, people never die. So there's tons of voters and things like that. Yeah. That's a, a lot of stuff, but going back real quick to the first thing that you were talking about, about the, the brain and the gut and and the instinct and everything like that. And which one is the real brain? I I think, and I haven't thought a lot about this. So this is sort of a rush formed opinion. So it's not necessarily my final resting place. That's what this whole podcast is about, right? (laughs) Rushed opinions. Right. But I would think that that is probably what makes us different than animals. And obviously, you know, I may, I'm, I wouldn't say active animal activist, but I am a supporter of, of animal rights. I, you know, I don't think that any animals should be mistreated or abused or, or anything like that. But, but I think we could all kind of agree that animal life is different than human life. And I think maybe that's one of the things that makes us, us different is that animals do have brains but their brains are mostly informed by this brain in the gut, what we would call mm-hmm. in instinct, that that's what they that, that that's what they rely on most for everything that's going on around them. And what makes us different is we still have that as part of our evolution as people. But we also now have this other kind of consciousness as well. And we can use both sometimes at the same time and sometimes they conflict with each other. There are, you know, things that we think that that we know we feel we really should do and we stop ourselves from doing it. Sometimes uh violence can be that where people will people will feel a, a violent tendency and then we call it the, you know, the better angels of our nature or however you want to describe it, but we keep ourselves from acting on those instincts. And we call that civilization, you know, being civilized. And so I think that I think that it is definitely true that we have that that brain in the gut and that gut kind of instinct as well as the one in our head and I don't know if one is necessarily better than the other. I think I think we need both to be who we are, to be to be the kind of people that we are. It be, you know, part animal part more than that. And I, I so I I think that is sort of my feeling on that question, but yeah, <laughs> I guess the even if they are just clones, they're you know completely rendered digital copies. There's another episode of of Black Mirror that deals with this. Actually, it's a little it's a little bit different than what we're talking about, but it's called uh, USS Callister. I think it's in the same season, season four. Uh, check it out on Netflix. Black Mirror is amazing, but but they they this guy creates digital copies of people that he works with, and the people are still there in reality. He's using their DNA to create digital copies of them, but the digital copies of them have consciousness, and they believe they are the people who they were cloned from, and he kind of abuses them, which is the big moral thing of the show 
So I, looking at that show and kind of how how they operate and everything, I think you'd have to say that they are people, even if they're not those exact people. Like like those digital clones weren't the exact people they were. They were a new kind of entity that he created. But I think they should be given all, all the same rights because they, even though they're a new thing, they are human beings that are entitled to those inalienable rights. It's it's funny you mentioned that. I saw that episode. I love that episode, by the way. But there's another one, too, that, and I can't think of the name of it, but there's one where they go into this this fun house or this house of horrors, basically. And there, mm-hmm. in one of the rooms, there was a, a prisoner who had his consciousness loaded into a hologram, and you could electrocute this hologram of this person, of this mm-hmm. prisoner, and get your keepsake, keepsake with with his pain in it. And eventually it comes out that this isn't just a hologram, that this is actually his consciousness that was loaded into this hologram and is feeling it and reliving it every day. Yep. So yeah. that person then gets those same rights, right, as, as any other living person, even though it's you find out later he's dead, but this consciousness is still alive, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, Black Museum. That's the season four finale. Well, another another great episode. And yeah, <laughs> I, I I completely agree that basically and what's funny is the guy that's that's running this museum is committing a crime because this man and I, I won't I won't I was gonna say something else, but I won't go into any spoilers. This man was was accused of a crime, uh murder. Uh, several murders, actually. And his sentence was death in the electric chair. This guy took his consciousness basically right before he died or right as he died. I can't remember exactly how it, how it worked out because I, I think I think I remember him being there at the execution. So I think it was either right before or right at the time of death. And then yeah. he took this consciousness and imprisoned it in his museum as an attraction for people to see. That's still that guy. And now that he's been physically killed, he's fulfilled his, his, he's paid his debt to society. Even though his debt to society was death, he died. So he shouldn't be able to be jailed anymore. He should be free. And Mm -hmm. obviously he's not. So yeah, I definitely think that that's a, a huge rights violation. So that is an interesting idea. If we figure this out and if you are able to eventually load yourself to a computer program and and then live on the internet, do you then are you then free if you're a prisoner who elects to do this because like you said you've paid your debt to society, you have your physical self has been killed. So now that you do you get freedom as this digital person that's an interesting idea i think you would i think you would have to unless unless they're calling that an extension of your life but i don't know that they could really do that because there there has to be i mean there's a fine dividing line between it's just like birth birth and death there's a there's a a clear separation between birth and being born you know, like we know exactly when someone's born. We know exactly when someone dies. Those are very clear lines. Obviously, this is something that would sully that, that would sort of that would sort of muddy those waters. But I would think that once you die, whatever happens to your consciousness afterwards has to be a different life. I mean, going back to the religious aspect, if someone's penant or if someone's uh, penalty is death then the court is washes their hands with them once they've been executed they don't say and now we implore upon god send this person to hell because of their of their crimes or, or anything like that once once they're physically dead it's out of the court's hands so it, if something like this were to happen i think it would definitely 
raise a bunch of legal questions, legal challenges. I'm sure that the ACLU would get involved uh, in a lot of this stuff. And, and I think that there would be a lot of court rulings and a lot of legislation that would have to be made to sort of uh, figure out what the parameters of this is. But I would probably argue on the side of that this is a new life, basically a, se- a second life, if you if you want to term it that way. And I think the regulations that you would want to put in place would be to block anyone who's, you know, some kind of violent sociopath from being able to take advantage of, of this, of being able to put themselves in a computer, so to speak. And, and that, that would be where you'd want to put the legislation on to prevent them from sullying that. Although, I mean, are they a threat? at that point to do anything because as we saw in the San Junipero episode, and I would imagine that this is how it would have to work. No one can die in there. No one could be killed by somebody else because you can't die because you're not a physical being anymore. So even a murderer, would they even be a threat in a world like that? They can't kill anyone. So yeah, true enough. My question, though, is does the threat of of does no longer being able to die or harm yourself or anybody else take away one's morality? So then do we have a basically a computer program of all of these immoral people running around doing terrible deeds to each other because they know there's no retribution for it. They're not going to kill anybody. You're not going to get punishment for it because it doesn't exist. So now do we have an entire world filled with immoral people going around doing terrible acts. And if that's the case, do you really want to be loaded into that? Right. And so that kind of brings up the question of where does morality come from? Does morality come from the society in which we live? Is morality something that's inborn, something that's just instilled in our genetic code? Again, whether or not that comes from God or whether that's a biological, the biological process, it depends on, however anyone out there feels about religion. But either way, is that a inborn thing or is it a combination of both things? And, you know, in the, in the episode the, of Black Mirror, the San Junipero one was a, not typical for Black, for Black Mirror, a fairly uplifting episode where what the driving force upon them living there seemed to be love, basically. Mm-hmm. And you never got any sense that they would go into any of the immoral areas because there were some areas that were that were more that were definitely more immoral, definitely uh, acts and things that were not exactly what you would do in polite society. And you know, you never get the the sense that they would go to any of those extremes because they were embracing those different kinds of emotions. So, and they still seem to be living some sort of moral code. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. And like I said, it it really depends on where we think morality comes from. If morality is, is simply an idea and a construct of society then I could see it breaking down in a situation like that very quickly where people would would be purposely hurting one another and things like that just to feel some sort of thrill or whatever, even if they can't kill anyone. And, you know, but if if morality comes from within, then I think that that probably would translate still to the if it, if it's a if it's an exact copy of you or or even your actual consciousness going into the computer, I feel like it would translate. I don't know. What do you think? So I keep having the same idea run through my head, and and I I follow the the path of Buddhism, and one of the con one of the ideas of Buddhism is this thing called samsara, and basically that's birth, death, and, and rebirth. And what determines your rebirth is your karma. But if we take karma out of the mix and your rebirth can be whatever you choose it to be on the internet, I think that that drive for morality is is taken away because you know that 
so not to get into to karma because it's a very difficult concept, but basically your deeds in this life determine your next birth. So if you're a bad person, you come back in a in an undesirable birth. Mm. But if you can choose to come back in whatever form and whatever time frame and whatever way you want to, because that's one thing they never addressed is if you are loaded to this internet program, do you then get to choose who you are, what you look like, you know, all of these things that, that are programmed into this computer. And if I do get to choose that, then karma and, and all of those things are taken away. And now I no longer have a sense of morality because I I can choose to be whatever I want to be. I can choose to come back as a six foot four supermodel or Danny DeVito or whatever I choose, mm-hmm. right? It, it's irrelevant. So it, to me, looking at it from that aspect, morality and, and the desire to, to be moral in that place is no longer there. And I just see a giant world of just people hurting each other for the sheer fun of it. Almost basically hell in a computer program. To put it any other way, yeah, it definitely. I definitely see how it could degenerate into into that. And like you said, I mean, even you know, you can choose whatever. In the episode, they were able to choose their forms, sort of. I mean, at least they were able to choose how old they were. Yeah. Um. You know, and uh, I don't know if you noticed this or not. It's a subtle thing, but the the one girl's hair changed from time to in a couple different times that she went in. So sometimes it was longer, sometimes it was shorter. So she definitely was able to make even subtle changes like that. So I do believe that they could choose their form. And and I would think that you would be able to, if, you know, someone was programming you into a computer. And like you said, if you can do that and you can even update your form at any point that you want to, then yeah, that that definitely would take away from karma. Plus the fact that you're never going to die if you're if you're an electronic thing, you'll never you will never die, and that means that there there's never going to be another form that you're going to go into. You know, you're never going to die and then be reborn as something else because you're always just going to be that thing for the rest of time, or at least in the guise of the episode. And this was something that I thought about too. Because I remember thinking, well, even that is not going to be forever. The the heaven on earth or whatever they, they wanted to call it that they created. Because eventually the sun is going to explode and it will destroy all those surfers and yeah. that, that are powering them. And then they'll be they'll be wiped out. So even if it's four billion years, that's still that's still a terminus point. Eventually you know and and if they went to even if they moved it if human beings could could move from planet to planet or whatever eventually if you you know if you subscribe to completely the the physics view of things eventually there will be the the heat death of the universe where we go to maximum entropy and at that point electronics are not going to be able to function so that thing's going to shut down or if you're a religious person eventually there is, there will be an end of time and there will be uh, an end of, you know, humanity and the machines aren't going to run at that point either. So it might be a lot longer than you'd have biologically, but there's going to be an end point for loading yourself on the computer no matter what. At some point, it's going to go off. Sure. So I want to change gears for a minute. I was sitting here thinking... Have you ever seen have you seen the movie Ready Player One? Yes. So what if we take it from that perspective where you're not dying, you're not dead, but world the world around you has decayed into this terrible place to be. So everybody chooses then to to live in this virtual reality. You still have your consciousness, you're still you, you're still there physically. But now you live your life in your mind in this virtual reality where everything is designed the way you want it to be. How does that in my how does that change the way we interact and the way we behave? What do you think? 
Well, I, you know, it's interesting. That's another situation where you can be whoever you want to be. You know, in Ready Player One, there were uh, certain people that, you know, would change genders or, or you complete, obviously completely change the way they look physically in that world. So you could present any sort of avatar, any kind of person that you wanted to present in this world, no matter what you looked like in the actual physical world. And we've seen, unfortunately, on the internet as it exists right now, that there's a healthy number of people that choose to go to their the absolute depths of their of their natures. That you know, go to any well, almost any, but go to any you know YouTube board, or any place where there's a lot of comments or a lot of people interacting with each other. Sometimes some of the Facebook groups gets a pretty bad as well. And you'll see people just being nasty, attacking people, just being ugly to one another for virtually no reason. And mm-hmm. some people use it in other ways. Some people, uh, I won't get into my politics. Uh, I would just say that what I'm about to say doesn't make me think I'm the party you think that I am. But there are a lot of people that use it to try to be very zealous in uh, curbing certain free speeches or stuff. Like I'll bring up uh, Roseanne, for instance. Roseanne mm-hmm. said some stuff that, you know, I don't agree with that I think was, you know, fairly terrible on the internet. And, you know, people, you know, ganged up on her and basically, you know, she lost her job because of it. And I really hate to see people lose their jobs for saying stupid stuff on the internet um, you know, that, that can get broadcasts because there's a difference between, you know, there's a difference between saying I love Nazis and, and sharing a bunch of Nazi propaganda and saying, Hey, Nazis should be the party that controls the United States and trying to get people over to your side on that. There's a big difference between that, which is reprehensible and basically, you know, sniping at people because of political beliefs and things like that. Um, so, and one of the things is like, people will go way too far. That's, that's my thing. Like, I think political correctness is fine. I think that years ago, there were lots of horrible stereotypical depictions of different uh, classes of people, different groups of people, uh, whether it's, you know, Asian Americans or, or, or Mexican Americans or African Americans that, don't exist as much anymore because of the political correct movement, which is a good thing. But I think a lot of times they go way too far. Like the example that I always give is when Carrie Fisher died, Steve Martin, who knew her in real life, uh, gave this tribute on Twitter where he said something like the first time I ever saw Carrie Fisher, she was the most gorgeous creature I'd ever seen. I, I soon found that she was intelligent and funny as well, or something like that. And people like ganged up on him for mentioning her looks as one of the things that he noticed about her. And he had to take the tribute down and that's taking things too far. So it seems like whether you are the type of person that says Ghostbusters, the remake is horrible because women shouldn't be in these roles, or you're the kind of person that says, if you dislike this movie for any reason, you're a misogynist. It seems like on the internet, people go to extremes like that. And I think that's part of the reason why there's so many, there's so many extremes in politics because of the advent of the internet. And it happens in any, in any area. Like I said, in entertainment, in politics, anywhere, people on the internet seem to just rush to these extreme opinions, which for someone like me, who's a pretty moderate down the middle person when it comes to either entertainment or politics, it makes it very difficult to, to navigate because it ends up where both sides hate you. But, um, but so yeah, if you, if, if we extrapolate that into a ready player one type scenario, that would be my fear is that most people would then just go to absolute extremes and it could devolve into like a civil war type. Imagine imagine everyone doing it now. Imagine everyone going into this 
to the, to a virtual world right now where you can do whatever you want. And there's people that are hardcore Trump supporters. And there's people that think that Trump can't do anything right at all. And they're both on opposite sides of, of the, of the line, or even people that think that the last three episodes of game of Thrones was great. And people that think the last three episodes of game of Thrones was garbage. They'd start fighting each other too. And I think that, that that I I have a real fear that that's what would happen if we created a, a, a giant virtual world like that. I don't think you're wrong, but I don't I don't see it as a bad thing because people are going to have differences. People are going to argue. People are going to fight. The beauty of doing it in something like the Oasis and Ready Player One is all you're doing is losing all the crap you gathered for however long your player was alive. You're not killing that person. You're not harming that person technically in in the real world they're just losing their crap Mm -hmm. that to me seems like a really really good way to settle differences between trump supporters and opposers or the game of thrones camps or whatever because now you can can settle this argument with somebody but you're not actually physically killing them or harming them I think that's a great way to settle every debate amongst countries amongst everything because it, it takes away the the thing that people disagree or dislike about it is the the taking of life. Now you're just taking virtual life, which in the in the movie can then be brought back, regenerated. You're just regenerate at, at base level one. Mm-hmm. That's that's definitely an interesting point of view. Do you think that 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 kind of aggression or do you think that the actions and what you're doing? in the virtual world translate to the physical world. And by that, I mean, does like, let's say somebody spent most of their time in that world fighting other people, depending on whatever side that they were on. Do you think that the times they came out of the physical world, they would feel a catharsis so they would feel like all that had been shed or do you think that it would kind of poison the mind and the soul in such a way as to make them even angrier when they're out in the actual real world uh i think it would make them angrier uh because i say that because outside of this show i actually run another show on anger management i've taught anger management for many many years and one thing that I've learned in all of that time frame is the worst way to deal with anger is through aggression, through violence, punch, punching bags, hitting something, destroying something. Because what that does is that trains your mind then that that is the response to feelings of anger or disappointment or guilt or shame or whatever, whatever emotion is driving that anger. And it trains your brain that, okay, that's how we respond to that. So I wholeheartedly think if we did that in a virtual world, it definitely translates into a real world violent civilization. But I think we're already a, a violent people. I hate to say that because I like to think of the, the goodness of people. But I, I think for the most part, people are are already pretty violent. We can see the, the number of shootings, school shootings, violent protest mm-hmm. things. We as a society, I think anyway, are, are getting more violent and more angry. And I think that we would need something, something like an oasis, something like a virtual world to sort of put all that in. I, I hate to use the, I can't think of the name of the movie now, but uh, the idea of, oh crap, help me out. The, the movie Matrix? where, no, 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 no. The movie where, where one day a year, one night a year, all crime is legal. Oh, the purge. The purge. Thank you. For some reason, I couldn't think of that. <laughs> we could almost do a, a virtual purge and and sort of put all of that violence into one place where you're not going to harm anybody. I don't think it's going to solve it. I don't think it's going to take it away. But I think that takes away people's desires to go shoot up a school. There was just another one not too long ago, a couple days ago or last week, yeah. where two kids went and shot up another school. Yeah. I think if you put all that in a virtual world, allow these people to shoot up a virtual school, you don't have the loss of life that we have now. I don't think it's necessarily a long-term answer, 
but I definitely see it as a, a temporary way of approaching it until we can get these people, the, the mental help, the psychological help, whatever it is that they need to, to get over this violence and aggression, whether it be an anger management class, like the one I used to teach or, or whatever, but something to, to help them rein this in while they learn new ways of approaching this, this violence and aggression. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, I, I, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And I think that there is a possibility that it could work out that way. I, I think there'd have to be a clear delineation between like, you know, if we call it the Oasis, a clear delineation between what happens in the Oasis and what happens in real life. Um, but I think, I definitely think that that that's an interesting perspective. And I think, I think you're onto something there. Uh, yeah, I always like to say, and I'm certainly not the first person to say this, but, you know, uh, a person can be, you know, nice and kind-hearted and overcome their their baser animal instincts. People generally don't, you know, when you're, when you're talking about the collective, because, yeah. you know, on the whole, people tend to be, I mean, we are, we, you know, we, we were, uh, as a species born from violence, you know, we, uh, if, if, uh, if people subscribe to the, you know, evolution and everything, then that's where we came from. We were the ones, we were the ones that were strong enough, smart enough, fast enough to get away from the things we couldn't kill and kill the things we could. So there's definitely a part of that still in human beings and a drive to that. We just try to, as best we can, resist that in, in any form that we can. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think that, that the society is violent and maybe having a place like that is not a bad thing. I wonder if if yelling at people on the Internet, if that does something for somebody to where they don't yell at people as much in real life or they do it because, you know, kind of going back to Black Mirror, which is, is funny that we keep going back to it. But in that USS Callister episode, the reason he put everybody into that computer uh, simulation, that program that he made, was because he couldn't stand up to them. He couldn't be the type of leader he wanted to be in real life. So he did it in the virtual world. And, you know, that's, I wonder if that same type of thing would translate into an Oasis type scenario. I, I think it would. I, so. I used to be a very angry, violent, controlling person, and I still like to mess with people, but I, I found a different way of doing it. And and before I tell this story, I don't believe this. This was just something I said to mess with somebody. But uh, it was close to Easter, and we were shopping at a grocery store, and, and my oldest daughter, who's eight, wanted this little bunny rabbit bear thing. And she was standing in the checkout with it and making up this whole story about what this rabbit was, what it did, what his life was like. And at one point, she made the comment of, well, he works for, for Hitler. I don't know where she got that from. I don't know where she heard the, the name. I'm sure it was probably at school somewhere. But the cashier that we were checking out with immediately perked up, looked at us and got this look on his face, this, this weird look on his face. And my wife saw that and immediately goes, well, no, sweetie, uh, Hitler was a bad person. We don't we don't want him to work for Hitler. Me being the person that I am, I had to mess with the guy because it's fun to mess with people. And it, it gives me that little bit of control that I used to love to have with, with people. But what I said to, to my daughter to really get under this guy's skin was, uh, well, sweetie, not everybody thought Hitler was a bad guy. There, for a while, the Germans thought he was a great guy. So maybe he is an okay person to work for. <laughs> the dude just dropped, and and it was great. But <laughs> yeah, I love to mess with people. My wife hates that. I, we were going into the car, and she's hitting me, going, "You can't say that in public." I'm like, eh, I don't believe it. It's just fun to mess with people. <laughs> but oh, so I, I, I still it. think there are. People can troll in real life, right? It's not just internet trolls. I do it to people all the time. I love it. It's fun. Mm -hmm. I don't believe the things I say. I just, just say them because I, I think there's a part of me that likes that that control and being able to manipulate somebody's emotions. I, I don't know. Probably a messed up part of me, but it is what it is. See, I do I do similar things. 
Sometimes, not all the time. Uh, it depends on the company that I'm in. I probably wouldn't have done exactly what you did <laughs> because I didn't know the person. But if I know if I know someone, I, I, sometimes I'll make jokes like that. And the reason I think they're funny, and the reason I think that that your joke is funny, is the absurdity of it. I think the absurdity of of because you know your statement's true. There were people in Germany that thought he was an okay guy. But obviously, from an outsider's perspective, he wasn't. And the absurdity of of creating a scenario where you're like, well, maybe he was, is what's funny about it to me. Yeah. And my wife didn't find it as funny, but I thought it was hysterical. <laughs> um, I have to be very cautious about going out with her because she knows me too well. So I have to find new ways to up my game to to embarrass her. <laughs> Yeah, I will do the same thing. I will do similar things with my wife as far as as you know, making jokes or or like I don't know, like I'll say something like I can't think of a really good example, but someone will say something on TV. Like if Kristen Bell came on TV, I'd be like, "Oh, you know, I dated her, right?" She'd be like, "What are you talking about?" Like she's from Michigan. You know, I knew her when we were in high school and and I dated her and uh, she knows better now to believe anything that I say when it comes to. So, so like you, I'll sometimes have to go, have to go to extremes in order for her to believe or in order to like fool her and then just, you know, laugh when she's like, oh my God, is that true? And I'll go, no. And then then laugh. But uh, yeah, so I I definitely have a, a similar thing. And I wonder if they transformed my consciousness into a computer would that would that entity do the same thing to his digital wife i would think it's it's part of the genetic code right so that genetic code gets transferred into the digital code and right. it has to be so i if 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 digital mark was going to do that then i'd say i would say that he would have to be alive that it, that he would be a real person so to to then I like to give everybody the the last word. What is your take on if I load my mind to the internet, I can live forever? Is it a possibility? Is it going to be you? Is it going to not be you? What do you think? Well, I don't understand all the technical ins and outs of how it would even be possible to load your consciousness, whatever we're calling that. But basically, I would assume it would mean your collections of thoughts and memories and feelings. I have no idea how it would even be possible to load that onto the internet. But if we got to a time when that was a possibility, I don't think it would be you. I think it would be a wholly new entity that acted exactly like you but wasn't exactly you. I think that you would be two completely separate entities. That's that's my my thought on it. And unfortunately, Descartes, I don't think we've solved the mind-body problem, but we came close. I don't disagree with you. I, I think that's exactly what it would be. I think you would still be in wherever it was you were going to go after you passed away, you would just remain this, this digital self on the internet. Yep. Well, Mark, I greatly appreciate you joining me. Uh, before we go, I do want to give you the opportunity to, to tell everybody where they can find you, how they can reach you, the name of your show, everything else that, that comes along with getting in touch with you. Well, I do a show called Massive Late Fee with my friend Mike, and we cover – Basically, anything that you can see on your television. So we do Netflix, we do Hulu, Amazon. Uh, we're doing a series on Game of Thrones right now. We're doing the last, uh, till, till the series is over, each week we're reviewing the, the last week's episode of Game of Thrones. On Retro Late Fee, which I do with my wife, uh, the idea is that we are in 1994. So we're basically it's 25 years before whatever the date is today. So it, one of our episodes came out today. It's May 14th, 1994 in that episode. We do entertainment news. We 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 do um, uh, TV show reviews and then we do a movie review. And this week we did The Stand, the TV miniseries from Stephen King that that just finished up uh, around that time. 
and I think it, the last episode aired the 13th to the 12th of May that year. I don't know. We look everything up so that we're, we're accurate, but we portray as if we are boyfriend and girlfriend instead of husband and wife and in high school and living in 1994. So every opinion, all the news stories, everything is from that perspective. Uh, you can find us on the internet at Massive Late Fee and at Retro Late Fee on Twitter. Uh, and then you can find us on the Facebook. <laughs> I sound like an old man now, the Facebook. You can find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Massive Late Fee. And our email is at massive late fee at gmail or massive late fee at gmail.com. Um, as my, my co-host Mike likes to point out, he secured us a MySpace. So you can go to MySpace and find us there. Oh yeah. And you can sign in, you can sign in with Facebook, which I think is just the funniest thing. Hey, you know that thing that killed us? Sign in with that. That is awesome. I love but, that. Uh, yeah, we're all over the internet. Just search Massive Late Fee, Retro Late Fee. Uh, Ma- Retro Late Fee comes out every Tuesday, and Massive Late Fee's out every Thursday. Well, that is awesome. I will have to look into that. The, the Retro Late Fee sounds very interesting. I, I, oh, we have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I was I was not quite in high school then. I was about two years shy, so I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. Well, thank you for joining me. I don't think we answered a damn thing, but that's all right. <laughs> that wasn't the point of the show. I hope we got people thinking, and uh, it was a pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you for being on, and we will talk again soon. All right. See you later.